Welcome to House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Take your shoes off, take your hat off, keep it on, whatever. Come on into the living room, sit on here by the fireside. We are joined today by somebody I cannot wait to talk about the colorful <laughs> world of professional wrestling with. It is our good friend, WWE, Holla Holla Famer, Teddy Long. Teddy, thank you for once again joining us here in House of Wrestling. Hey, no problem, Nick. Thank you so much for having me, man. And I just wanted to say that, man. You always think about me, man, and bring me on the show, man, frequently. And I really appreciate that, man. You you keep me relevant. Thank you so much. Oh, come on now. You do that. You you keep me relevant, Teddy. Here, but I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna peel back the curtain here for just a second because just before we recorded, uh, you were talking about how you go to your local uh deli counter and you get different things throughout the week, which is great. I yeah. used to work at the deli counter. And I was telling you, I bet you're a hit. You said you are. The reason I say this is because when I worked at the deli here in Chicago, I had another famous wrestler who would come visit me at the deli every day. Okay. And it wasn't you. It was Lisa Marie Verone. Victoria lived right around the corner. And I would be sitting there slicing meat and scooping out tuna salad, whatever. And Victoria <laughs> would come on by and just hang out and talk to me. So anyway, I'd yeah. Well, yeah. they know me. They know me at the Kroger store at the deli there because I go in there, man, and they they're always surprising me sometimes with stuff too. Hey, try this, <laughs> man. That's so cool. I don't know why that gives me all the good feels, but it just makes me feel happy here on this Thursday morning to be having this talk with you. Hey, man, we're happy to be alive, man. That's a deal. Yeah, and and also props to all of our deli and grocery store workers out there who are grinding out there. Yeah, it is. It is a very hard job to work in a grocery store. I've done it. Our good friend Dominic D'Angelo's lived that life. Props to y'all, man. It is hard to keep the, the food of this world moving, and there are a lot of great grocery store workers out there. So. Hey, big, big shout out to them, man. Whoop, whoop. There you go. Great way. Good energy here. All right, everybody. Hey, if you are tuned in right now and you are watching us in video form, you are doing that over on the Premier Streaming Network. Every Tuesday and Thursday, noon Eastern, Come over to Premier Streaming Network to get every episode of House of Wrestling first run. Me, all kinds of great guests. Uh, you got to sign up for Premier Plus at watchonpremiere.com to get this in video form first run. It'll go up on the podcast feed later. But if you want to see us here live in Technicolor, you got to come over to Premier Streaming Network. And today we got an especially big show. Not only do we have Teddy Long in the house, we're going to be talking all the news of the day here. Later on in the show, I'm going to release my first interview from the WWE Money in the Bank Media Junket. Every Thursday from now until I believe SummerSlam in Detroit, I'm going to be dropping one of these interviews. I got six interviews. And today, you're going to get to hear and see Santos Escobar, one of the members of the LWO. Tempted to, I don't know if I want to call him the leader. Because they seem to be kind of like the Judgment Day, where everybody could maybe kind of be the leader. There's a case for Selena Vega, I guess. Um, but anyway, Santos in the house, great conversation. Uh, I already have a, a little bit of coverage of it over on HouseOfWrestling.com, where there's all kinds of great news that I write up every single day. Uh, go check out HouseOfWrestling.com. But yes, yeah, Santos Escobar in the house here with Teddy Long. All right, all let's right. get let's get to the news, Teddy. There was some big news last night broke around i don't know eight or nine o'clock at night my time and that is that longtime wwe lawyer jerry mcdivitt is retiring um he was currently working on uh the wwe antitrust lawsuit that had been filed by mlw there's a lot there it basically it, for those that don't know 
MLW is suing WWE, alleging that WWE improperly interfered with their business. Specifically, there was a call that they say Stephanie McMahon made Device TV, screwed up their deal, made it so Vice didn't want to run MLW anymore. And because of that, now MLW is suing WWE. Um, the judge did not dismiss this case, said it had merit. Now there's going to be litigation. They will go to discovery, which is its own thing. And there will possibly be a trial. Now, with that, Jerry McDivitt uh, re- reached out to WrestleNomics, or WrestleNomics reached out to Jerry McDivitt. He confirmed he's going to be leaving the case. New lawyers that he are working, he's working with are going to be joining the case on WWE's behalf. And here is the full statement that Jerry McDivitt put out last night uh, to WrestleNomics. He says, as you may know, since early 2022, I have been working towards retirement. I had hoped that the court would again dismiss MLW's lawsuit as it did the first time. When it did not, it became obvious that the case would run into at least 2025 in all probability. I advised my client that I would be wrapping things up by year end and that it would make sense for them to secure counsel who can go the distance on the case now that discovery will be starting. There is also the chance that I might be a witness given the allegations. (laughs) I will be 74 this January, and it just seems like the right time to make necessary transitions. Okay. Um, Jerry McDivitt has played a huge role in WWE's uh, kind of lifespan. First of all, what do you know about Jerry? Did you ever talk to him? What's your familiarity with the man, Jerry McDivitt? Uh, I had a yeah, I had a chance to meet him one time uh, at the. I think he was at one of the TVs or something. And I remember, I think it maybe it was him and Vince. I think they were walking down the hall, and I think Vince said something to me or something. But he's joking with me about something. But anyway, I end up going over speaking to him and Jerry. Man, what a nice guy, man, uh, and and a great lawyer. So uh, I mean, he's a guy that if you ever get in any trouble, you certainly want him to be the guy to uh, be in the courtroom with you. So, oh man, that's basically yeah. all I know. But all I can tell you, man, that I did meet him, and what a nice guy. Yeah, I I have I had the chance to do one of the only interviews he's ever done publicly. I did it for Wrestling Inc. a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and it was funny because I asked if we could do a call, and I'm not really like an insidery guy. I occasionally do backstage stories, but I'm an on the record guy. And Mm -hmm. so I connected with him thinking we're going to do this interview. He connected with me thinking we were going to do some kind of debriefing. And so when we connected and I was like, can I record this? He was like caught off guard. He was like, sure. Why not? So if you go out there, there's like a 20 minute video conversation with me and Jerry McDivitt kind of talking about his history with WWE. I think it's the only video interview he's ever done with press and it's me. And it's because I totally caught him off guard. So I I kind of like him. You know, and the thing about him, man, if you ever, you know, watch him and stuff, he's a real cool guy, man. So, I mean, real cool, man. So, you know, yeah. Well, that's the thing I was so most caught by when I was talking with him was he's charming, right? Like, I think I think that's the best way I could use to I had to think about the best adjective. He's a really laid back, charming guy. And I can see why he and Vince work so well together because Vince is, you know, amped up right jerry seems like the other way you know they're very yin yin yangy like that um but you got to be a pit bull too especially with the kind of cases that jerry's been working on over the years you know i wrote about a little on the site 
But the first case he ever got involved in was like Jim the Anvil Nightheart got into a fight with a flight attendant over drinks. Okay. Uh, this thing goes this thing goes to court. And that was in 1987. And that was Jerry McDivitt's first parlay into working with WWE. He helped Jim the Anvil Nightheart get off. He got him acquitted. And then from there, Vince was like, you're my guy. Yeah. <laughs> because I tell you, you got to be a hell of a lawyer, man, to get a guy acquitted from the messing with them flight attendants because they take that real serious, especially about the drinking part. So, Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, of course, Jerry's biggest win for the company was the steroids trial. Right. So Jerry yeah. was right by Vince McMahon the whole time. And that's really why I say, you know, W. I put out a tweet last night that's been picking up some popularity, but, you know, WWE would not be what it is today without Jerry McDivitt. Had Vince not had Jerry in his corner during that steroid trial, it is not hard to think that we're looking at a very, very different landscape at the moment. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, yeah. I, you know, and I truly believe that too, man, because the haters were suddenly out there trying to get Vince. And uh, thank God Jerry was right there, man. Like I said, a hell of a lawyer. He's the guy you'd want on your side. What was it like for you during that period where the steroid trial was playing out, Teddy? Well, you know, that I didn't really pay that much attention, you know, because, I mean, I didn't really even understand the the, the whole deal with the steroids, you know, because I, I was kind of just now, you know, breaking into business and everything. So I didn't really know just how bad that people say that they were and what they really were and all that. I had to learn all that over time. But like I said, I never did really pay that any attention. It didn't bother me at all. You didn't see guys sitting around throwing steroids around like candy and things like that in the locker room? No, I, no, I never seen nothing like that. I never seen any guys injecting no steroids or nothing, you know, in the locker room or none of that. I never saw none of that. Did it make you nervous seeing it all play out that this could be bad for the wrestling business or no? Well, kind of. I thought about that, you know what I mean? Because, you know, I'm you know, just getting there myself, you know, and getting started and thinking, hey, man, you know, this is going to happen for me here, I believe. And then, you know, to see somebody, you know, like – they used to say, you know, that don't 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 worry about it. one of the boys will screw something up. <laughs> <laughs> one of the boys will screw it up every time. So I, I had to learn. That. And then I went back in time. I'm like, oh, OK, now I know what they were talking about. Yeah. But, um, like I said, I, I'm just glad everything, you know, got, you know, straightened out. And, you know, Vince was acquitted, all that stuff, man. And so we, we moved on from there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, best of luck to Jerry. It does sound like I I, I, I I do raise my eyebrow when he says, based on the allegations, I might become a witness in this trial. I always love when the lawyers get involved. I don't love it, but I find it ironic. Um. So, but anyway, like Teddy said, he was a very nice guy to Teddy. Very nice guy to me. He gave me 20 minutes of time, and I don't think he's ever done that before to literally anybody. I, and I don't, And he didn't have to do that. No, no. And, you know, and do go back and listen to the interview. It is. It's on Wrestling Inc., he tells this story about how, because um, I was asking about, because he's like, I'm friends with Vince McMahon, right? It's like, well, Vince doesn't have a lot of friends. What's that like to be friends with Vince McMahon, right? And uh, he, he was just talking about how, how he gets to see this side of Vince that he doesn't think a lot of other people see. And he told this story about there's like a janitor at Titan Towers, like a custodian, sorry, not janitor, a custodian at t Titan Towers that Vince had become friendly with. And he found out this custodian was on hard times and Vince like, took a bunch of money out of his wallet like on the spot and like gave it to this guy and took care of him and kept in touch and like helped him through this period of time and he's like you know you hear and granted for good reason there are also bad stories about Vince but it was also this like kind of other side the softer side of Vince you don't 
usually get to hear a lot of people describe. And it it was just a, a very interesting 20 minutes with Jerry McDivitt. I'll say that. And I can say this, too, you know, about this, you know, the other side of Vince. I saw that, too. There was a black man. I can't remember his name. I'm sitting here now trying to remember. But he would always come to the TV sometime when we was where when we were where he lived. I can't think of his name, but Vince took care of him. He bought him a brand new car and he did other things for him, you know, you know, over the over a period of time. But uh, golly, I just can't think of his name. But he was a black guy. And Vince all and, and Vince took care of him all the time. Do you remember what territory that guy? was in do you remember what part of the country that that guy lived in or no no where was he it was doing the attitude there because i just had went there in uh 98 so that's uh golly I, that name is right on my tongue man and i met he, he came to one of the tvs and they introduced me to him you know and i met him but it was in doing the attitude era yeah because like you know that's the thing it's like you know vince came from poverty i mean he's opened up about it more in recent years you yeah. know so that doesn't surprise me to hear things like that. You yeah, know? well, I, I saw that word. They, uh, I, they introduced that gentleman to me, and I met him, man. And Vince, they told me the story about him. Vince, it took care of him for, for forever. Yeah, I'm just wondering what part of the country it is because I didn't know if it had like any kind of significance to Vince. It's North Carolina, obviously, it's a little bit different, that kind of deal. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, anyway, um, Jerry McDivitt retiring. We'll have more on Jerry if it, if it comes along, but I definitely wanted to take some time up top here to talk about him and just kind of the historical significance of Jerry because it is going to be different. Everything in WWE is changing out right now. Oh, you know what? Actually, I have one last thing I wanted to say about this, Teddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew I had a good button for this. If you're Vince McMahon, right? Yes. And and you're sitting here and you're you're involved. Right. But he's working remote. He's had some time where he got to try retirement. You know, he saw what that life was like. Now you're back in it. But you're one of your best friends, somebody who grinded and, and had the same vision as you, Jerry McDivitt. That guy is saying it's time for me to retire. Do you think that has like an impact on Vince where he kind of sees this kind of change? You know, it's it's not it's everywhere. I mean, it's his legal. It's his everything is changing the guard right now. You know, well, uh, I don't think so. I think Vince and Jerry will be friends uh, forever for the rest of their lives. And I think if, you know, by by Jerry retiring, you know, I, I feel like that, too, man. You know what I mean? I. That's what I'm doing. I'm enjoying the rest of my life. You know what I mean? You yeah. know, people want to know, well, why you don't, why you're not back on full time? I said, that is really not my call. But I don't want to be full time no more. I just go back whenever they call and, you know, and I do whatever I do. And I'm out here. I'd rather be out doing what I'm doing. I enjoy doing the Comic Cons, I enjoy doing the meet and greets. I enjoyed doing some of the indie shows, you know, where I can sit down and talk with some of the young talent and give them a little knowledge and try to help them out. That's what I want to do. I just want to give back. So, but now with Vince, I don't know, man. I don't think he's going to ever retire. Vince is a workaholic, okay? And Vince will probably, you know, be right there at the end of his time, be right there in Gorilla, okay? So Vince, <laughs> Vince is a workaholic, and I, I like that about him, man, because that's how you get things done. That's how you become a billionaire. You got to work, okay? Work your ass off, and that, and, and that's what Vince does. Well, and it is interesting, though, right now, you know, to kind of we drew that I drew that comparison between Vince and Jerry's energy. He's having to kind of play that kind of low key energy Jerry card right now, because I think that one of the things that is noticeable from Money in the Bank, which we'll we'll talk about here in just a second and why it was so successful was they and I brought this up on Tuesday. They did a great job keeping the, uh, the attention on the show. Right. There was no crazy Vince story. He's, everything's chaos. Right. There was no last minute changes. 
but they showed up. They had a game plan for 72 hours. They executed that game plan to perfection in 72 hours, and there was not a single headache. And so if Vince is still doing all of that stuff where it's causing it, they're doing a great job of covering those footsteps these days and not showing it publicly like it used to come out, you know? Well, you're going to, my thing is this, you know, even though they've merged with Endeavor, whatever, if you're going to be part of, of the wrestling business, you got to have somebody that knows the wrestling business. And Vince McMahon created this. This, this, this is all Vince, this, the professional wrestling. I don't care what any other promoters say, Vince McMahon started this. He created all this and he look at what it's become now one of the biggest uh, successful businesses in the world. So I think right now, you know what I mean? Vince is going to gonna stay there. And let, well, I, I looked at it like this. He sold some of the company, but then now he's working for Endeavor. He's running the place. So Vince got money from the sale, plus he's getting a check from them for running the company. Okay, yeah. you got to have him. He knows this in and out. I don't know. I don't see how you do it without him. No, well, it, it's it's like Dana White did the same thing, right? Dana White made the big paycheck by selling part of it, got to stay on. Now he's getting salary. And look, the guy can literally get away with nearly murder and be just fine. Um, so it's very similar to what happened with, with Dana White. And, you know, I, I, I agree to a point because, like, we had that nine-month period where Vince was decidedly gone, right? Like, if yeah. he was in the mix, there was no no smoke that I could see leading to a fire and the company in that nine months revitalized itself. It, it became a better, more engaging product that the fans were enga- wrapping their, their arms around Vince came back and it felt off. And now Vince is having to find kind of his spot. I think in this new regime, it's not how it was a year ago. If that yeah. makes sense, you know? Yeah. Well, Vince, it, like I said, Vince is going to be in charge. I can't, <laughs> I, we've all got that. We've all figured right, that yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to be telling Vince about what to do about nothing. Vince is going to be in charge. So that's a good part about it, too. I, I like that because, you know, he's going to keep, keep it wrestling and keep it how it's supposed to be. Some people that step into this and have no idea about wrestling, then they screw the whole thing up. I mean, it's, 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 it's really it'll, it'll be really sad. Well, what, what happened in WCW? Oh, when they when they brought in the when you know when they took the prower away from Bischoff or when well, they brought when, in yeah. Russo, <laughs> when they took yeah, then look and look how it went downhill. Yeah, well. I mean it was just terrible, man. You know, got you know, I I mean it it just that what did they had uh, Mar- uh, Marcus Bagwell's mother as one half of the WCW tag team champions, a lady that's never even wrestled a day in her life. Nothing, I'm not speaking nothing against her, but how do you do that? Well, and that was the Russo era there after that Bischoff had been cut. Yeah. I know, Nick. I know, yeah. but how do you? How do you? Come on. You well, you. I think you have to smoke some crack and then you know sit down with a pad of paper and you know just kind of let it go. Well, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I don't know. I kid. I don't. I don't want to allege anyone was smoking crack, but uh, there were certainly some decisions that would appear that they were under the influence. Um, you know, I, I know. Bischoff though too. You know. Bischoff, to his credit, had some more history, right? Going back to the AWA, learning from Vern Gagne and all those things. I think that there were certainly decisions Eric made creatively that were very, very good. Would never give him the 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 never give him the checkbook again. But I think that there was some good creative stuff there early on. Well, I had a chance to work with Eric before Eric even got that power. Okay, yeah. me and Eric was doing. I was doing color commentary with Bischoff. We was doing for the Canadian market. We used to do those when Bill Watts. 
uh, came in and took over. So I was working with Eric way back then before he even got the power. How was that working with Eric before he had power? Oh, it's it great. Me and him got along. We used to go to, uh, uh, we were really good friends. We used to go to this Mexican restaurant called Cascalaro, and that's when I was drinking back then. And, man, we used to drink these big dollar margaritas and stuff, man. So me and Eric had, had a hell of a time. And he's still a great friend right now, man. But I'm just saying, back when I was drinking, having a good time, me, me and Eric was right there, man. Hmm. Well, and, and one night I tell you this story, and Eric can tell you. One night I think we was running late. We was filming a lot of stuff, and we just—it was real late. You know what I mean? And Watch was pressuring Jim Ross, you know, to get this stuff done. You know, and well, I mean, it was like 10, 11, 10 o'clock at night, and we—it still Eric had a lot of more stuff to do, and I stayed there with him till almost midnight, so we could get all those promos and stuff done, so we could get them out. He'll tell you that. How I think he has told me that story actually. Have you? Uh, how? Uh... How was it working with Eric once he became like a creative influencer then? How was that dynamic change for you? Uh, <clears throat> I had a good time working with Eric. Only thing uh, that happened, you know, he meant, meant his friendship kind of sour because I think some other people, and I won't call any names because I'm I, I'm so sick of this, you know what I mean? But they went to Eric, you know, and start, you know, you know, spreading salt on me, saying bad things to Eric about me. And so I think that Eric kind of looked at that and, you know, he kind of soured against me too a little bit. But that came from people didn't want to didn't want him to help me. They saw Eric was helping me, and I was trying to you know trying to make it a little bit. So they cut that off. Got it. Well, I've never heard of that in pro wrestling. <laughs> I've never heard of politics coming into play. <laughs> well, you you better start watching it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I was front I row. For, I, I was front row. See a punk took a aim at me first. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. all right. Let's move past a little bit of this year. Um. Uh, a little bit more WWE talk. We will talk a little AEW here. Uh, Fightful put out this report uh, saying that WWE officials were really impressed by the gritty physical nature of the match between Rhea Ripley and Natalia on Raw this past Monday night. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It lived up to the hype. Natalia had said she wanted to really make a statement on Monday night that this was what it's all been building to. Of course, she came up short, but both women took a beating. Apparently, they were in the back telling everyone how much fun they had. Officials were impressed. And I'm sure that the USA Network officials were impressed, too, because if you go watch the quarter hours, this is the only quarter hour that got even close to two million views. And so these women stole the show across the board on Monday night. Yes, sir. And I had a chance to see that one, man. I mean, what a great match. And anytime you, you know, stepping in there with Natalia, you know, she's part of that Heart Foundation. So she's got it and been had it for a long time. So not only are you going to have a good match with her, but you're going to learn something. And uh, that's and that's what Natalia is all about, too. She was such a sweetheart and she believes in helping the other girls. You know, because I watched her backstage talking over her matches and, you know, she's willing. Hey, well, if you'd like to do that, well, we'll do that. You know what I mean? She she can you can work with her. And that's what you want to do. You want to be with somebody in the ring that you can work with. And that's when y'all tear the house down. Yeah, I remember more than a decade ago when I was doing the podcast with, with Brett, Brett Hart. And he would talk about how she was already kind of like the sorority mom backstage, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like she's not just helping people with matches. She's also like helping these women like acclimate to the business you know because you have a lot of women who come in it's a very crazy business right not everyone has your best of intentions in mind and natalia has really become this conduit um for for not just like helping people in the ring but helping people personally in a lot of ways and she's a sweetheart i'm telling you man what a you couldn't find a nicer person yeah and she's somebody that can relay things to the office is what i've gathered so like when when there are oh Teddy Long and oh Teddy's back. 
Um, sorry, I don't know where Teddy went for a moment. He's a time traveler. Um, but yeah, she's the kind of person where if there is an issue going on in the locker room, she can go talk to management about it and kind of help them work through it. What I think is so great about this moment Natalia is having here right now is it's just so deserved. You know, for a long time, yeah. for a long time, everybody looked past her, didn't notice her, like thought it was kind of Nepo baby kind of stuff. She was around. Whatever you want to say. She didn't click as a main eventer. Now we're getting into a territory where especially if Ronda Rouse is cycling out, like she's the shooter, right? She's the she's the standard bearer for the women's division. I think that people are starting to fans too starting to really look at her like that. You and, know, and and he and that's exactly what she is. She is a shooter. I mean, if you step in there wrong with her now, she'll fucking stretch it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, absolutely now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it look. It was just. It was just great. It was an awesome match. Everybody should go check it out. And very happy to hear this. And I'm. You know. I'm interested to see where they go with Natalia from here because she didn't beat Rhea, right? She's still over here on on uh Monday Night Raw, right? SmackDown's awesome. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Still post draft syndrome. Um. And I just don't know where you go with her from here now that she she wasn't able to pull off the kind of big plucky underdog baby face. Do you turn her heel? I don't know. She's done that so many times now. So. Well, you know what I mean? I think, you know, with Natalia too, you know, with, with her career and everything, you know, still blooming, you know, there's a lot that she can do in NXT. I oh, mean, yeah. there's a lot that she can do, go to NXT and do and help those kids down there. And I think Natalia would be just happy with that because she loves people and she loves doing what she's doing. So, I mean, I don't know what their plans are for, but I would you know, think, you know, for her to go down to NXT and help that young roster and stuff, you know, I think that would be a, be something that she would like to do yeah she did a great job helping to warm up cora jade and i could definitely see her uh doing the same thing with tiffany stratton who who i'm a big fan of i just i haven't seen enough of her in-ring work like she certainly got the look you know and all the potential in the world i was a little surprised they put the title on her this early but they obviously see big things for tiffany stratton exactly and yeah. and, and like you said uh the tiffany stratton with the, somebody like natalia you know to take her on her wing you know would be be absolutely outstanding yeah um all right last wwe note here uh this is about money in the bank now we had noted that it was the highest grossing wwe arena event of all time uh it's also now being noted in this press release we got that it's that this was the highest grossing wwe smackdown of all time the combined gate for this weekend between smackdown and money in the bank was 5.4 million dollars it's a lot of money um, additionally, Friday's episode of SmackDown on Fox did a 2.51 million, up 17% versus a year ago. Uh, it was number one in the 18 to 49 demo with a 0.7 and an eight with an 897,000 total viewers in that key demo, up 39% from a year ago. Up 39% in an era when people are cutting cords and television viewership is going down, and everybody's blaming that for declining TV ratings. How is it possible that WWE SmackDown is crazy up from a year ago, Teddy? You know, it's because you're giving the people something they want to see. The hottest thing they have right now is the bloodline. The bloodline to me is great. I don't know who the writer is, but he is certainly on, he or she, whoever it is, they're certainly on top of their game. Because with the bloodline, you're dealing with family and that's real. And you can feel that because that's unhappening in somebody's life somewhere down the line. 
So all you got to do is put somebody on that TV or put a story on. It's like a soap opera. You know what I mean? Usually our women are when they when they used to, well, I don't know, maybe they still watch soap operas. I don't know. But when a soap opera come on, they put everything down. They don't wash no dishes. They don't cook. They don't do nothing until they see that soap opera. And so that's what it is with WWE now. They got something that the people want to see. I enjoy seeing it. Okay? I enjoy watching it. Damien Priest, I think, is doing a hell of a job. L.A. Knight, all these guys that are coming up in the business. Dominique Mysterio, I mean, I, I enjoy watching those young kids, and I think that's what the people do, too. It's a brand-new era, and I think people are enjoying it. It is weird for me, uh, feeling like we've stepped into a new era, where WWE is making new fans right now. Like, there is a generation of fans where this bloodline, Judgment Day, oh, this this is it for them. This is their DX, Nation yes. of Domination like I feel I feel old now saying that, but that's like I get goosebumps talking about that where I think about kids getting into wrestling right now, telling other kids wrestling is cool. This is a cool time for wrestling right now, you right. know, and uh, and what we're seeing now, everything is brand new. You know, like I said, sometimes, you know, in the wrestling business, you have to go back and rehash people you know, repackage them and try to do something else. But right now they didn't do that. You know, they just came up with something brand new for the Usos. People haven't seen. And that's, and that's what it's all about. Yeah, no, 100%. And man, this Friday night, tomorrow night, the tribal council, uh, the trial jury of the tribal leader and the trial, whatever, the seven tribals in the title of this damn thing. And let me mention my name, my, my other man too, Top Dollar. And, uh, and what's the other kid? Uh, Golly, his name, uh, he comes out with nothing on. Uh, yes. Uh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> Golly, uh, man, I'm telling I'm, I'm tell hey, you. Oh, Ashanti, Ashanti the God. Well, no, uh, what's the other kid? Uh, Golly, he, he, he's barefoot when he's wrestling all the time. You don't Matt Riddle? Yeah, Matt Riddle. That's okay. who I'm trying to think of. Okay, yeah, very yeah. different person. Okay. Yeah, let me give a shout out to Matt Riddle and Top Dollar, man. Those two I really am, I'm really impressed with too, man. I think they're doing a hell of a job. And the Street Profits, man. Great tag team, man. Great. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like right now we really are in this period where the product is so hot. Like, you know, and then you look over at AEW, and AEW really has become that older brother product, right? Like Younger brother getting into wrestling, you can love Roman Reigns. An older brother loves Roman Reigns and WWE too, but the younger kids are not probably gravitating towards MJF and Adam Cole on Wednesday nights. It's probably yeah. just not the vibe for them, I'm well, guessing. Not knocking AEW, but I don't watch the product. They sent me a message that they weren't hiring any old people, so no sense in me watching it. There's nothing in it for me. Well, on that note, Teddy, it would seem that you are not alone in not watching some of the AEW product because AEW Collision's third episode viewership numbers came in, and it was not uh, exactly great. Now, it was a pre-tape. Uh, it drew 452,000 viewers on average uh, compared to last week's 595. Uh, that is a 24% drop in total viewership. Among viewers 18 to 49, viewership was down 37%. God, that's like the inverse of SmackDown. Uh, the debut episode, of course, did 816,000 viewers. Um, this week, they're going to come back on Saturday night with Samoa Joe versus CM Punk. They got Bullet Club versus FTR. So there's a big marquee matches. They'll be live again. I'm sure we'll see a bump. But, Teddy, I saw Jonathan Coachman get into it with Dax Harwood on Twitter. Coach basically just saying, pro wrestling does not work on Saturday nights. They've tried it. It's failed. They've tried it. It's failed. It's never worked. You shouldn't be trying this. It's not going to work. You're not going to find momentum. Do you agree with that sentiment that pro wrestling just can't work on Saturday nights? 
pro wrestling will work on any given night if you've got something that the people want to see, like we were speaking about earlier. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you got if that, just like me and you, Nick, if there's a program that we like and we watch on this TV and we like it and we look forward to watching that program every week, then when we get hooked on it, we don't give a damn what night of the week it comes on. We're going to be in front of that TV to watch it. So I don't agree with Jonathan Coachman on that. I mean, look, I mean, maybe I could be maybe I'm wrong for this back in the day, WCW Saturday night. Yeah, uh, Vince had a uh, WWE had a show on uh, Saturday nights. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of the name of that, but Shotgun anyway, Saturday nights. Yes, yes, Shotgun Saturday night. Exactly. So, you know, like I said, I don't have any. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> You're <probably> welcome. <laughs> yeah, because so I don't, I don't, I don't agree with Jonathan on, on that. Well, here's the thing: is like. Uh, 6.05, Saturday's WCW. That was, like, just before you're going out for partying. Shotgun Saturday night was, like, 10.30, whatever, on, on MTV. It was, like, it was the late-night show you could throw on in the background while you're getting drunk. They had, like, strippers and the opening intro, right, and all that. Yeah. This is that sweet spot, primetime Saturday nights. I do ultimately agree with you in the end, though, uh, Teddy. I think if you've got a product that people want to see, that they're invested in, that they're excited about, if there's a hook, They'll tune in. I, I do think that it is interesting. Um, he, Malachi Black was talking to Bobby Fish on his Undisputed podcast. He said he didn't want to see his House of Black stable on Dynamite Rampage and Collision. So he said, I want to be on Collision. I want people to know where to find me. Do not book me and my group on the other shows. We are a Saturday night entity. But that puts him, Miro, CM Punk. I'm starting to see a trend here. It seems like the WWE guys... <laughs> They all like working together. <laughs> they all like working together on Saturday nights. Let maybe the elite and that that crew work on Wednesday nights. You know, we're very in the process. But I am envisioning two very distinct brands here in the not too different future, uh, Teddy. And then you know you can and you can come back with Saturday nights because the generation of uh, of people that were watching wrestling when Shotgun Saturday night and WCW Saturday night is on probably some of them are not even watching wrestling anymore. So this is a whole new era. This is something brand new for the fans on Saturday nights. And then you got to look at it like this. And this is how I look at it. On Saturday nights, uh, there's no, no guy ain't got to worry about getting up Sunday morning, going to work. Okay, whatever hours it may come on. So you can sit down, you know, in your home, have a beer, whatever, relax, watch, watch the show. And uh, you ain't got to worry about getting up stressed out the next day. Yeah. Um, well, uh, one name we haven't seen on Saturday nights who was supposed to be a part of Saturday nights and did uh, call the main event of the first episode of Collision uh, is Jim Ross. Now, Jim infamously or not infamously, Jim fell in his home uh, the night or the morning before or the night before the debut episode. He got a big black eye. He's been out uh, recovering ever since. Uh, he is now saying on his podcast that his contract with AEW is not long for this world. There's not much time left on his contract. He doesn't know if he's going to get re-signed. He hopes to at least stick around. You know, he likes helping this company grow. He wants to maybe work in a, in a backstage talent relations capacity, but he doesn't know. And there is a possibility here, I guess, sooner than later, that Jim Ross could maybe become a free agent again. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think of Jim's? Uh, what do you think of Jim's role in the landscape right now? Do you keep him in the booth, or would you prefer to see him working? Backstage, where, where do you see Jim Ross in the landscape of things at the moment? Well, Jim Ross knows a lot about this business. He's a seasoned veteran, brother. He's been around forever, and he's worked with a lot of uh, great promoters and stuff. So I think, you know, I mean, it's up to really Jim. You know, if he's been on color commentary. You know, he's been there for many, many years. So I think, you know, right now, uh, he would probably be better working behind the scenes, maybe in a talent relations the, 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 uh, part 
or either helping the young talent, you know what I mean? Become an agent or something like that. But it's, it's, it's really kind of lift up the gym. You know, some people, you know, they get on that TV and they hate to leave the TV. You know what I mean? And so, you know, that never bothered me. So, like I said, I, I think he would be better behind the scenes because of his knowledge. He knows so much, you know, and he, he can share a lot of that with some of the young talent and help them out. Yeah. Um. All right. And uh, moving on here away from AEW and WWE talk, I guess kind of a little bit of AEW talk in here. Uh, the Observer Newsletter uh, were reported that there was some test screenings of this new The Iron Claw movie coming out about the Von Erich family. A couple notes I just wanted to pass along to everybody. Apparently, the fans didn't like the guy who played Fritz Von Erich. They think that the guy who plays Ric Flair in this movie is laughably bad and does not do a very good job um, doing Ric Flair-style promos. I reached out to somebody, by the way, uh, who's like in the orbit of this film, and I was like, I heard people didn't like Ric Flair, and their response was basically like, I don't think anybody's ever liked an actor who played Ric Flair. You, <laughs> like, he's Ric Flair. Um, we also have MJF apparently in the film playing Lance Von Erich. Doesn't have any lines. A lot of hype for MJF for this movie. Apparently makes an appearance. Doesn't say anything. Here you go. Um, well, who, who produced that? Who's the Who's the people behind that? This movie. This is a twenty four. This This is a reputable outlet. I'm actually I'm interested to see this film. The reaction does seem mixed. But Ryan Nimeth, Dolph Ziggler's brother, is in it as Gino Hernandez, and Chavo Guerrero makes an appearance as the Sheik uh, Ed Farhat. So there's all the kind of news we have coming out of this test screening but yeah i i'm kind of a little i'm upset to hear that there's so mixed reviews because i've been pretty excited about this movie teddy yeah well i'm kind of like you i think i, I kind of like to watch it too yeah i'm interested all right last story here before we throw to my interview with santos escobar um now i kind of got tied up in this on july 4th i didn't want to work on 4th of july but the story falls into my lap because every year my wife and I look forward to watching the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. It goes down <laughs> on Coney Island. It's always won by Joey Chestnut, who eats an ungodly amount of hot dogs. Uh, this past Now, the past couple of years, this pro wrestler uh, named Megabyte Ronnie has been on the stage. And every year, I go, man, I got to talk to that guy. I got to meet this guy, Megabyte Ronnie. I'm so interested. This past, like a couple months ago, Teddy, it turns out, because of back injuries he sustained as a kid, he's mm -hmm. got to retire from pro wrestling. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get this chance. So I got to connect with him. We talked about it. And this year I was, like, cheering on somebody who's actually participating in this competition, Teddy. Right? Yeah. We're getting excited now, Teddy. You're feeling it in the air. Me and my wife were like, we're going to watch some men pound some hot dogs today. Right? <laughs> yeah. We get really excited about it. Okay? This is some Carney 101 here. Okay? And then this storm hits Coney Island, lightning everywhere. We are watching this thing on a live stream that we found on YouTube, getting the blow by blow. Mm -hmm. at, the, at the last second, we're watching the feed. New York Police Department comes in, says this is dangerous. You all have to leave Coney Island. We are canceling the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Wow. A and that's, that, that's a first time ever, right? That ne That's never been canceled, has it? First time. I don't believe it has ever been canceled. First time ever. And I am watching this, and I tweet out this to everybody because we're watching a live feed. Not a lot of people know it yet. The mm -hmm. tweet starts blowing up. My wife goes, 
you run a news website, you should write about this. I was like, okay. So I wrote a news article up. I got it out. And then it's somehow they decide, no, we're going to still do it. Like what happened? Right. So they mm-hmm. uncancel the event because there's like a 45 minute period where there's going to be no lightning there. What apparently happened, and this is all documented at houseofwrestling.com, way too much hot dog eating contest coverage this week. What happened here was Joey Chestnut, Teddy, the greatest hot dog eating <laughs> freak of all time. He spends his whole year getting ready for this one thing, right? He has to know, he's like, it was explained to me, he knows when his stomach is at peak openness for eating the most amount of hot dogs. And he times that to the exact moment that that contest is about to happen. So as every minute ticks by past the initial start time, this man's stomach starts to shrink and his ability to eat dogs goes down, right? Yeah. How does and he do that? That's because he's crazy. He's the best in the world at eating hot dogs, right? And so Joey is pissed and he's a big guy. And I guess he walked away from this where the police are saying we're canceling the event. And I'm going to use some profanity here. I apologize. He said to the press pool, I'm going to go in the back. I'm going to rally the boys and we're getting this fucker done. And he grabbed all those hot dog guys and he pulled them out and he said, lightning be damned. We're eating hot dogs today. Called ESPN, said, turn your fucking cameras on. We're eating hot dogs today. (laughs) And Joey fucking chestnut on his own willed this contest back into existence. Only, only ate 60 hot dogs in 10 minutes. His personal best is 76. But hot, hot damn, you know, that's great. There's a guy there that loves his hot dogs. It is. it, It was, it was, you know, I don't usually, I don't like to praise carny behavior, right? Because it's yeah. like pretty bad. You don't like want to praise carny. But sometimes that carny, I don't give a fuckedness, it'll get you through. Yeah. You, Joey, well, you know? I think that was brilliant. You know what I mean? What a brilliant idea. I mean, the storm, you know, was out there. But my man says, hey, no, I came here to eat hot dogs. People <laughs> want to see me eat hot dogs. And we're going to eat hot dogs today. So I'm 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 with Joey, man. Go ahead, man. I, I love it, brother. And then and like me and you were talking before we came on, I stopped by the store the other day and I grabbed me two Nathan's hot dogs. Those hot dogs are really good. Yes, <laughs> they're really good hot dogs. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, I had to tell the whole story here because it was insanity and Joey Chestnut is a living legend. All right. And nobody would have never believed that. I'm glad you told it, man. That is that's a, that's incredible. Oh, so good chef's kiss so anyway and ronnie by the way took last place but we're not gonna talk about it he'll come back next year he's injured okay all right before we wrap up the show here today i have this brief interview with santos escobar from uh money in the bank media junket let's throw to it here now i'm wonder hey i'm wonderful do you hear that he santos escobar just asked me how i am how are you i'm great i'm happy to be here with you uh me in particular? Yeah, thanks for affording me the opportunity to have this one-on-one. Oh, Santos, I appreciate the time. You know, it is a wonderful time for the LWO. Such a beloved faction. I mean, you think back to WCW, Eddie Guerrero. How does it feel to you to be stepping into those shoes? Do you feel the pressure that comes along with carrying on the LWO name, knowing who was a part of it in the past? I, I believe that we're, we're way past that stage. I, I think the first month or so, it was like, all right, let's see what these guys are about. Let's see yeah. let's see what they bring to the table. But then 
I sort of feel like the, 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 the whole LWO thing evolved into this sort of movement where people know that we represent them. Yeah. Uh, that will, that grit, that desire, that never-ending hunger of just succeeding and overcoming in life. I, I believe LWO is that and more. I always say, what do we do in WWE? We, we tell stories and we put smiles on people's faces. Yes. Yeah. I would go one step ahead and say, we inspire people. I agree. If, if, Yes, you, you go ahead and put smiles on people's faces, but if you can elevate your work, your body of work, and whatever you deliver, and you can inspire people and capture their minds and hearts, then you won this game. And LWO is just that. Well, one person I know that would be interested in working with the LWO that I talked to very recently is Conan, K-Dog. Now, uh, what are your thoughts about Conan possibly getting involved in the LWO mix. I would love that. Uh, Conan is uh, a very important person in my life and in my career. Uh, if that ever happened, I would be really, really happy. Would you be open to maybe taking the LWO down to Mexico and doing a AAA show? I know that there's been more crossover with WWE and over other promotions the past year or so. Would I? Yes. Is that my decision? Most definitely not. But we are going to Mexico. Uh, July 22nd and 23rd, and the LWO is going to be in Mexico at Arena Ciudad de Mexico and then Arena Monterrey. So LWO is going to Mexico. Okay, but but you say you'd keep the door open there, right, for AAA? Myself? Absolutely. I, I'm from AAA. Cool. Santos, I thank you so much for the time. Thank you. Man. Thank you. And there it is, Teddy. Outstanding. Great interview. Now, did you hear what the guy just said? He says, we tell stories and we inspire people. And we've been talking about this throughout the whole show, Nick, okay? Mm -hmm. You gotta give people something they want to see. And if he understands this business, just like he just explained it, and at his age, he's gonna be something, man. He's gotta, you know, I mean, brother, he, he he's gonna be great. Because I just heard this, some of the stuff that came from him, you know what I mean? And that's really the truth. That's exactly what this business is. And he understands that. And, uh, you know, I, I just wish him all the luck in the world, him and the LWO. And speaking of Conan, Conan's a genius. He's always, you know, been there and took care of his people, you know what I mean? And, you know, made sure that they were treated fair and right. My hat's off, but, you know, Conan, I love him to death. Awesome. Hey, what a great end to the show here today, everybody. I had a blast inside of House Arrest, and I want to thank you all for joining Teddy and I, and I guess Santos here in the living room. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to be talking with Stephanie Chase, another person from across the pond. We're going to be talking even more fallout from Money in the Bank, but I'm sure more will be on the way as well. Um, I think we're going to change up the release order. I've been trying to do the interviews and the, and the news show separately throughout the week on the feed. I think I'm going to start doing more stuff like this where we do the, the news and I'll play the interviews as part of it. So it's more of a complete show. So yeah. we may just see uh, you may just see content on the podcast feed on Tuesdays and Thursdays. It'll be more robust and better for you, though. So Stephanie here next week. I should have a big guest to go along with that show as well. Um, so go ahead, just follow the podcast feed, leave a nice comment if you like what we're doing here. And of course, on top of some big interviews I'll have for House of Wrestling, I'll have a couple of big interviews for Inside the Ropes next week as well. Be sure to show them some love. Teddy, uh, anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up today? Well, you know, just before we go, I want everybody to make sure that they watch uh, my podcast along with me and Mac Davis. It's called Road Trip After Hours. You can find it on YouTube. 
and uh, where, wherever you know this podcast or streaming. Uh, it's Road Trip After Hours, me and Mac Davis. Also, uh, next uh, Saturday night, I'm going to be in Macon, Georgia for a big Comic Con along me and Ron Simmons. We're going to be damning some people. I'm going to be one-on-one undertaking some people. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of what's going on. And August the 12th, I'll be up around Utica, New York for Immortal Championship Wrestling. They're going to be having their first live pay-per-view. So that's going to be a big show, and I'm going to be guest general manager there for the night. Utica, New York, August 12th. There you go, everybody. Check it out. Support Teddy Long. We are at Wrestling House on Twitter. I am at Nick underscore Hausman on Twitter. Grab whatever you want off the dining room table here. I don't want any leftovers. Make sure to grab your shoes, your hat. Get on out the door. Oh, I'm kicking over my microphone. Stand. No, but seriously, get on out the door. And remember, you're welcome back anytime.